Welcome to Mental Health Matters with Marty, Season 1. My name is Martina Sellers, marriage and family therapist in the beautiful state of California where the sun is always shining. I will serve as your host and mental health hygienist here on this weekly broadcast. Each week, it is my desire to bring to you inspirational messages that will help move you from doubt and discouragement to encouragement and empowerment. You don't have to continue to suffer in silence, but speak up, speak out, and live. Listen, y'all, tonight I want to do something a little different. I want to start off with one of my favorite poems by Langston Hughes titled Harlem. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like syrupy sweet? Maybe it sags like a heavy load, or does it explode? In preparing for this podcast, I'm not going to lie, I'm struggling with this, y'all. I'm confused in my feelings and, like you, processing the events that's happening around me. We as a nation are in the midst of a civil outbreak of riots throughout all major cities in America as a direct result of the inhumane killing of a black man named George Floyd. Accused of using counterfeit $20 bills in a market, he was restrained due to an alleged resisting, although immediate surveillance cameras show that Mr. George Floyd did not resist arrest. Then, for the next 8 minutes and 46 seconds, white Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin forcibly placed his knee in the neck of Mr. Floyd as he struggled to breathe, asking for his very life, while two other police officers held him and one other stood there observing this savage ordeal. Sitting here in my house in Southern California in the suburbs of Los Angeles, my heart is heavy as I watch the news and see Beverly Hills, San Diego, Oakland, New York, Dallas, Nashville, Chattanooga, Minneapolis, and several other cities throughout America become war zones of fire, tear gas, rubber bullets, and riots. Over 120 cities nationwide participated in this Black Lives Matter movement declaring that we are not going to take it anymore. Black Lives Matter protesters stand in solidarity around the globe in London, in Toronto, in Germany, in Australia, in Ireland, in Amsterdam, in South Africa, and even the uttermost parts of the earth. We are united about lives. Black Lives Matter because we do matter. Martin Luther King Jr. said it best by stating that a riot is the language of the unheard. Collectively, We mourn the voices of the unheard. Christian Cooper, Ahmed Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, Trayvon Martin, and the hundreds of others who were wrongly murdered and the blood of those are still on our hands as a nation. Please hear me when I say, although I don't agree with the rioting and although I don't agree with the looting, but I do understand 
I understand the anger because I too am angry. I understand the frustration because I too am frustrated. I understand the hurt because I too am hurt. I understand the pain because I too am in pain. I understand the rage because I too am enraged. I'm angry because my father served in the army for this country to protect our civil and human rights. I'm angry because I had additional four uncles who served in various wars in the Marine Corps and the army for this country to protect our civil and human rights. I'm angry because I have several cousins who have served in the military for this country to protect our civil and human rights. I'm angry because I have several close friends who I consider brothers who have served in the Marine Corps to protect our civil and human rights. I'm angry because I have a nephew who is currently serving in the Navy for this country to protect our civil and human rights. Enough is enough. I'm tired. I too can't breathe. Throughout my day, I have to check on my own mental status. Even as I'm speaking to you, I have to make sure that I remain balanced and emotionally ready for my clients. But I'm not going to lie. This is hard. Yes, I am concerned for my children. Yes, I am concerned about my future. Yes, I am concerned even about my own safety. And even more importantly, I'm concerned about my own life. Even though I'm a professional, even though I have two master's degrees, even though I pay my taxes, even though I try to mind my own business, that means totally nothing to those who look at me solely based upon the color of my skin. And that's black. Well, I like to think of it as Carmel Brown myself, but nevertheless, please don't misunderstand. I absolutely love being a black man. I love my point of reference. I love my style. I love my swag. I love the very skin that I'm in and I would not have it any other way. But I desire that the world, that this country would see me as a man, the man that I am. See my integrity. See my passion. See my heart. See my worth. See me. First, then, as an afterthought, he just happens to be black. I found some statistics that I'm calling the soul of a black man. Black men have death rates two times that of women caused from suicide, cirrhosis of the liver, and homicide. Between 1980 and 1995, the suicide rate among young black men in America between the ages of 15 and 19 increased 146%. 72% of that was by firearms and 22% of that was by strangulation. For black men, especially in urban communities, alcohol abuse and the consequences thereof appear to be much more grave than compared to their white counterparts. And this is mainly due to attempts to mask depression, anxiety, and other undiagnosed mental health issues. 
The need for adequate medical and mental health care that is affordable, respectful, and accessible continues to be a major challenge for black men. Therefore, black health care is often foregone and seen as a luxury and not necessarily the necessity of life. African-Americans make up 12% of the population, yet only 2% of psychiatrists, only 2% of psychologists, only 4% of therapists. And as a black male therapist, I represent 1% of the field. And they only represent 4% of social workers. As a whole, African-Americans are less likely to receive proper medication with the least amount of side effects as a whole when it comes to psychotropic meds. Then most African-Americans do not understand their rights to challenge, ask questions, and seek additional opinions or another opinion as it pertains to the health care and psychotropic intervention. Again, as a whole, For those who do receive psychotropic medications, it is often in higher dosages leading to more severe side effects. Therefore, many black men don't want to take those horrible meds because of the side effects, therefore resort to not taking them at all and finding their own ways of treating their mental health disorders such as marijuana, alcohol, sex, uh, uh, harder drugs, or whatever they can get their hands on just to find some sense of normalcy. When mental health is not addressed, black men are more vulnerable to incarceration, homelessness, substance abuse, homicide, and suicide. Black males who report no earnings have increased susceptibility to depression. Poverty, Racism and the impact of past traumas, particularly violence, are primary factors of mental health disorders in young black men. Young black men are more likely to commit suicide after an altercation or perceived victimization by institutional authorities such as the police, the criminal justice system school officials, landlords, and the welfare department. For far too many black men, simply being somebody who is making a significant contribution to society and attaining basic respect and self-esteem is seldom realized. Too many black male voices go unheard. Too many black male voices go unrecognized. Too many black male voices go unnoticed. Too many black male voices are simply muted until it's too late. Statistics show that after a riot, the probability for PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder has the likelihood of increasing between 4 to 41% in riot-affected areas based upon the severity of the damage done in those communities. Likewise, the probability of depressive symptoms can increase up to 7 to 10% during and immediately following a major protest rally. 
And then we cannot begin to ignore the acute stress disorder, increased generalized anxiety disorder, increased hypertension, blood disease, and other psychological uh, conditions and physiological conditions that result after riots, after rages, after outbursts, after police involvement, after trauma, after trauma, after trauma, after trauma. There are complex impacts on the minds and bodies when an entire generation or social group is at the center of violence and a violent protest and or riot. We can no longer suffer in silence in the shadow of shame. Enough is enough because I can't breathe. As I look at the DSM-5, when it comes to post-traumatic stress, too many of us are exploring and are, are dealing with post-traumatic stress symptoms. We have the misnomer that only if you're in the military do you have post-traumatic stress disorder or have symptomologies of it. But there are so many what I like to call urban post-traumatic stress disorder for those who live in urban communities. Because even in the military, I am deployed for a short amount of time and I have some sort of notion of when the end date might be. And even if it were extended, I then have the, the pleasure of knowing it might be three months, six months, nine months, a year. But for those who live in lots of urban societies across this country, we constantly live in a war zone that is never ending. Some of the symptomologies that are examples of criterion A of post-traumatic stress disorder, according to the DSM-5, overt racial slurs and threat made by someone. That meets criterion A of post-traumatic stress disorder. Police harassment, body searches, and assault. That meets criterion A of post-traumatic stress disorder. Workplace discrimination. That can meet criterion A of post-traumatic stress disorder. Community violence. That can meet criterion A of post-traumatic stress disorder. Distressing medical experiences. That can meet criterion A of post-traumatic stress disorder. Incarceration. That can meet criterion A of post-traumatic stress disorder. Immigration difficulties. That can meet criterion A of post-traumatic stress disorder. Deportation. That can meet criterion A of post-traumatic stress disorder. We can no longer ignore what we are facing. We have to call it like it is. We are under attack mentally, physically, socially, economically. Enough is enough because I can't breathe any longer. I remember a time working in South Orange County as an employment specialist for a staffing firm. I was about a year out of college, full of ambition, hope, and dreams. And I had been working with this particular client for about a year, providing excellent customer service and sending her quality workers to staff the organization she worked for, where she served as a human resources representative. 
And we were talking and laughing on the phone one day when she says, Marty, I would love to meet you. Listen, can you come out the next time you send one of the new employees out so that I could meet you and you introduce them to me? So me being young and naive agreed and was excited to meet her. I mean, uh, isn't that what business is all about? Establishing healthy relationships and healthy boundaries so that we can build our brands? Well, what I thought was a great professional opportunity to develop a stronger working relationship was quickly realized to be something totally different when I entered the door. And I remember walking into the company door and she looked and walked right past me and I called her name. And she, when she heard my voice, she turned around and I saw the horror in her eyes as she quickly discovered upon looking at me for the first time that I was a black man. Here I am, an educated young black man with a degree from UC Berkeley, one of the top universities in the world, and I was being summed up by the color of my skin. I watched this woman take three steps back as I reached out to shake her hand in a professional greeting, and then I realized that things could go quickly to the left if I wasn't careful. I then put my hand down, took one step back. I lowered my voice as not to be intimidating and also lowered my head as not to be a physical threat. And then as I attempted to make this uncomfortable exchange as pleasant as possible for her, this meeting ended just as quickly as it begun. And I don't think I ever got another order from her after that. I must admit that I was taken aback and hurt because I had worked so hard in building this relationship and then I had to remember where I was working. I was working in the upscale, predominantly white, off the beaches of Orange County in Southern California in the early 90s. I can't lie that it didn't bother me because it did. But I quickly realized about how to, quote unquote, play the role and avoid as many direct contacts with clients that perceive me as a threat. I wish I could say that this story was the exception for me as a black man, but that would be a lie. This is more the norm for us as black men, as we're trying to climb the corporate ladder, as we're trying to climb the ladder of life, as we're trying to just buy a house, as we're trying to establish a credit with a bank or what have you. And I have to remind myself that I am enough. I have to remind myself to breathe. Black man, you matter. Black man, you are enough. Black man, you are all right. Black man, you are okay. Black man, although you might be down today, rise. After 400 years of slavery, Jim Crow, oppression, segregation, lynching, burning, 
been gunned down, beaten, spat on, hosed, dogs turned on you, discriminated against, lied on, castrated, cut in half by trains, tarred, roped, stoned, and now a knee in my neck. Rise. Today I want to end this podcast with a poem by Maya Angelou. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust I rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Cause I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns, with certainty of tides, just like hope springing high, still I rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awfully hard? Cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my backyard. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness. But still, like air, I rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Out of the past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into the daybreaks that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bring the gifts that my ancestors gave and the dreams and the hopes of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. Y'all, keep rising. I don't care what today may bring. Tomorrow is another day. And like the sun, simply rise. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's edition of Mental Health Matters with Marty. And I thank you for allowing me just to pour my soul out during this time of difficulty. Be encouraged. Listen, we cannot suffer in silence any longer. We have to speak up for justice. We have to speak up for righteousness. We have to speak out for those who have slain and have been slaughtered before us and who have paved the way. We cannot speak out enough. Speak from the rooftops. Speak from the mountaintops. Speak from the valley low. Wherever you are, speak up. Speak out and live. God bless. God bless.